The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Has Brady Singer become the ace of the Royals? You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts or on our YouTube channel, all over social media, or our morning newsletter, KCSN Daily, dedicated to your Kansas City Chiefs. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. What's up, y'all? This is One Royal Way here on Kansas City Sports Network. My name is Joel Penfield. Thank y'all so much for tuning in. Joining me tonight, the other half of the Royals Weekly Podcast, Mike Mead. I've had Marcus on a couple of times, but I'm so glad I was able to get you on for this one. Hey, thanks for having me. The better half. You're welcome. <laughs> the better, smarter, prettier half is hey, here. You are not wrong. Those uh, Also, if you guys have not subscribed to Royals Weekly, do that wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Mike does a hilarious video on YouTube uh, doing the – it's a 60-second recap of the series. There is obviously the baseball stuff, but there are pop culture references and <laughs> anything else to make you chuckle if you yeah. really just need a little serotonin boost in the middle of your day, even if the Royals get swept. It's very entertaining. Yeah, and it's it's just sixty seconds usually. I mean, we usually I usually go a little over because I can't be contained in sixty seconds. But I'm actually skipping that tonight, so there there won't be one this week. But next week we'll be right back to it. Just you know, that middle of the well, week considering, series, we'll, we'll get it. Considering the Royals have lost five of six, I don't yeah. know if it's really worth it. Now, in in all fairness, like they played the Dodgers, the Dodgers have won. I think it's forty nine of their last fifty seven or something like that. So. What are you going to do? They won one of those games, and that's fine. To, I was that's thrilled. fine by me. I was thrilled. Yeah. <laughs> um, you get swept by the Twins. The Twins are in the playoff hunt. It was not a good series. You just wash that one and move on. I don't want to spend too much time on that one because it was painful. Because for 26 innings, you've gotten shut out. Not great. Mm-hmm. But not hopefully great. they can go wash it off and, and go you know have a good, uh, th- good three-game set in Tampa and the, uh, and the road trip that way. Where I want to start here, and I feel like I'm just I'm just obligated at this point. Like I've done we've done it for years. I have to talk about it. 
Vinny Pasquantino is that dude. He has been an absolute revelation for this team. And all the rookies, I feel like, have, have at least come into their own a little bit. They've performed in spots. Vinny has been the most consistent over the last couple of weeks. And it's starting to get recognized nationally, too, which is awesome. I will, as Royals fans, we've known for a year or two now, like, hey, Vinny's going to be a pretty good ball player. The rest of Major League Baseball is figuring it out, too. He got a whole segment on MLB Network with Mark DeRosa and Cliff Floyd talking about what he's done in the big leagues over the last couple of weeks. And then he did an interview on MLB Central, which is one of the bigger, more, it's the morning show on MLB Network, Robert Flores, Mark DeRosa, Lauren Shahadi. That's a national interview. He's becoming like that guy for the Royals. And it's it's incredible to watch. It really is. Yeah, and how long has it been since the Royals had somebody in the, that you could say, well, I know he's going to be in the middle of the lineup and I know he's going to produce. When I think Cliff Floyd kind of, kind of compared him to Travis Hafner, which was great because I never kind of put that together. And he was, I always thought division. more Anthony Rizzo. I always thought more Anthony Rizzo. I, I but... compared him to like a, a left-handed Paul Canerco at one point. That's fair. Um, yeah. But I thought, you know, Hafner was left-handed. So it's a little, you know, a little bit more easier. Apples, crap, apples. Totally. But um, I thought that was really good. It's just, it's just wild to think that, and you mentioned like he's been more consistent, but we've started looking at those things so differently just in the last like 10 years in baseball. Because his numbers weren't his offensive production numbers weren't all that great, but those other numbers, what I call them, like the like your uh, execution numbers, like how is your exit velocity, how is your launch angle, those were all so good. It's great that we've now started to be able to separate like the process from the result, and I think that's how you put it on Twitter. Was like, yes. hey, we've seen the right process. Is he executing at the plate with an approach, and is he getting good exit velocities and good launch angles and things like that? Is he swinging at the pitches he should have? The results are tangential, if you will. Yeah. They're, they're byproducts that may not always come to fruition. And that that has nothing to do with what he's doing, you know? <laughs> so for sure. I thought it was and, a great observation yeah. from you. And it's like to think the Royals could have a guy for the next six plus years that you know is the producer in the middle of their lineup. Oh, feels so good. And he's even exceeding the expectation that I thought he'd have. I didn't think the power was going to come in bunches the way it has over the last couple of weeks. Obviously, when you hit the ball hard and you're able to elevate it, that's going to happen. And he's starting to elevate the ball a little more now. The gra- he's not hitting near as many ground balls. And when he is hitting ground balls, he's hitting them hard enough through the shift, which is leading to some of these, you know, the the hits are starting to come. I ta- I've talked about it for weeks on this show. I know people were freaking out and thinking he's got to hit more and he's got to be better. Like, it was all going to come around when you – put together the the process with which he goes through his at-bats. He's not chasing outside the zone. He's not striking out. He's taking his walks, and he's trying to do damage when he's able to hunt his pitch. Unfortunately, a lot of those batted balls early on, he was hitting them right at people, or he was hitting it into the overshift. And he's one of the most shifted players in baseball, so naturally that's going to happen. Now we're starting to see the results match up with that process, and it's, I mean, it's been incredible just... Over the last, so this is over the last 30 games. He's hitting now on the season slash line 275, 357, 820 OPS, which anything above like 750 this year in across the league is real, is really, really good. That's like all star level good. Mm -hmm. Over the last 30 games, slashing 301, 355, 504. Over the last 15 games, 382, 426, 727. Over the last Mm. seven games, 480, 536, 880. 
A slugging percentage over 800, people. My a slugging, gosh. A, that is a 1.3 OPS over his last <laughs> seven games. I, I put the stat out, too, because it was it was kind of fascinating to watch. Because, I, 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 you know, I look at his fan grass page from time to time. I, you know, get bored at work and, and, you know, just start going down a rabbit hole when I need a break. And I saw before the doubleheader of the White Sox series. So that was last Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And we're recording this on Wednesday. Last Tuesday, he was at negative 0.1 F4, so slightly below replacement level, which is very, which the, with the sample size in which he has played, that's negligible. Like a, a good game, and he would be able to get back over. Well, in one week, he is worth one full win. He is now at 0.9 F4, which Jeez. is, I believe, fourth or fifth on the team. Yeah. Just that quickly. Yeah. And it's, I, it's just, I, it's crazy yeah. that, like, and he's the kind of guy that's going to have to hit a little bit more because he's probably average at first base and he's, you know, he's going to hurt you on the base path. But the fact that he's hitting the ball with such authority and so consistently, you know, we've seen Salvador Perez hit 48 home runs and hit for some power, but he'll go into that stretch where he's swinging at everything and where, you know, he doesn't take any walks. So there's an issue there. So if he has a, an off week, you don't score runs plain and simple, Mm -hmm. you know, and now you have this guy that, complemented by the other better approaches in the lineup. And he's just up there like, bam, missile, bam, missile. And you're not like, oh, like when they, I love when they throw him fastballs up and out. It's like, mm-hmm. he's not swinging at that. He's not swinging he's at never that. He's going to swing at that. No, I can't. Very rarely. Yes. Rarely does he swing at pitches out of the zone. Like the, one of the only times I can legitimately think that he did was the other day when Johan Duran threw him a curveball that spiked, but Johan Duran throws 103. So, yeah. you know, what are you going to do? That's going to happen. Like, yeah, he's he's unreal. Like, and, and and you and I were just talking about this earlier. Like, he's so personable. He's going to be the kind of guy that not only can be the centerpiece in the middle of your lineup, he's going to be the guy that can be another face of your franchise. And I don't think a lot of people really thought about him that way because he never had the high prospect status that Bobby Witt Jr. did. I know at Royals Farm Report, you guys really had him ranked high and you liked him a lot. A lot of credit to you guys. You had him as a prospect, not only before, but a lot higher than a lot of other people did. But I think as you move, I mean, tell me, tell me right now, there's a better young hitter, even projection wise on the Royals than Vinny Pascantino. You want a hot take? Because I got one. Okay, he's I love gonna, him. He, Shower me. <laughs> he's going to get more rookie of the year votes than Bobby Wood Jr. Oh, that yeah, I, I think that's the case. Yeah. Now you'll you'll always say they're so different as far as players go because Bobby, well, theoretically Bobby gives you defensive value. I know it's been rough. I think year. he will. He will eventually. He I'm will. Yeah, I'm it. not worried about that. Um, he gives you so much value on the base paths as well. But yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if you if your hot take was hey over. Over the course of their time with the Royals, Vinny Pasquantino will be the better hitter. I, I think that's totally okay. fair. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's the case. And it's not it's not, it's not a knock on Bobby. Not Bobby has a, a rare skill set of power and speed and just things you don't see very often. But he doesn't have that approach that Vinny does. He And he'll always – I mean, the knock when he was drafted was the, the swing and miss is too much. His hit tool isn't quite where it should be to make that power really go. And I don't, and I think that's probably the hardest thing to improve as you continue to go. So uh, I think Bobby's going to be great, but Vinny has that hit tool already. I mean, he's got the approach and the hit tool, and it's beautiful. And part of it too, you mentioned a little bit about the, like the intangible stuff that he brings, yeah. like the the leadership in the locker room and stuff. We heard a lot about that from them in the minor leagues, especially on that Quad Cities team. That he was that guy. He was the 
guy that everyone kind of gravitated towards. Mm-hmm. And heard a little bit about that. On the, and when he moved up to double A, immediately kind of has that presence. He started to have that presence very quickly in Kansas City. And especially that Toronto series, it seems like he and Nicky Lopez kind of became the, the leaders in that clubhouse. Massey did an interview uh, after it was, I think it was the White Sox game uh, last week at the nationally televised one where he got the Salvi splash and all that and talked about what, you know, Vinny comes in and, you know, he kind of sets the tone. It seems like he's becoming the clubhouse leader for, mm-hmm. for this team. And that's not a, not, and I don't mean that as a way to slander Salvador Perez, but I think Vinny is that guy right now as a 24 year old rookie that he is that, that type. And I know people have talked a lot about was over the last few weeks, kind of realizing that the hitting core is here. So now you have to go and figure out what you're going to do in 2023, which means you're going to probably need to trade off some bats to go and get pitching, which I think is the, it's the obvious move. And people have talked a lot about, you know, Hey, maybe you can throw in a Michael Massey or a Nick Lofton or a Tyler Gentry or Michael Garcia. And Vinny's name has gotten thrown in there as not, not by like Pete, but it's, you know, been theorized that he could be a bat that gets thrown in. I don't think he will. I think (laughs) there, there is significantly better odds that he gets a contract extension this off season. Then he would get traded. Yeah. I could see them giving him, I don't think they would give him eight for 72, but I could see them giving him a Michael Harris type deal mm-hmm. and say, you are our first baseman DH for as long as you want to be here. Yeah. And lock off, him up. You lock that guy up right now. Okay. Two things. First, that would be great. <laughs> I would absolutely love that. Secondly, that Michael Harris deal was a crime. Okay. Oh, I mean, uh, <laughs> that's just what the Braves do. Like, I, I know, don't understand so, how the and Braves that's do. so smart. I'm not, I'm not faulting them for doing oh, it. Not at all. I'm just, it's, that that is a that is an absolute. They stole. They're stealing from that man. Like that they're stealing from Ronald Acuna and Ozzy Albies. Yeah, I was, Albies is another one. I was like, oh my gosh, seven for uh, seven for thirty five. That is insane to me. Um, but no, Vinny's when and I, it's not the same because I've never coached professional sports or anything like that. But I've been a coach for over ten years now. It is so awesome when your best players are also your glue guys. Yes, like it is so great. The, the Royals, I don't know if when in 14 and 15 they necessarily had that because I think Gerard Dyson a lot of times was the straw that stirred that drink. But you had Eric Hosmer was one of those guys, and he was one of the better players on that team. Lorenzo you know, Mike Mustakis, Lorenzo Cain's another one. Yeah, Mike Mustakis was never going to be that kind of guy. That's not him necessarily. He's a part of it. You know, you you know, you do that stuff, but you got to have that guy. I feel like, and that that glue guy is usually the guy that can be friends with every single person on the team. They get along with everybody, and I I think. I think he's that and he's your best hitter that it's really easy to lead a team when your best hitter is also that guy, you know, uh, oh, it yeah. makes culture so much easier to do. It makes convincing guys to, to follow coaching and things. It makes it so much easier to do. And, and it's good to know that he'll be around for a while, a deal like that. Now I don't think either is likely. I don't think it's likely that Vinny gets traded or he gets a contract extension, but if you want to follow a model for how to, and that's the thing, the Braves, I don't know. You wouldn't call them a small market team, really, they're not. <laughs> but they're doing a, a very smart small market thing right now. They are mm-hmm. locking dudes down. First off, they developed a lot of these dudes, and then oh, yeah, that's how, they that's uh, yeah, big time. And and I I think it is important to get when you get one or two, it's easier to get number three, four, and five to to agree to do that. And so it 
it's something the Royals need to look into <laughs> and and yeah, figure out. Hey, for a lot of these guys. Yeah, we've yeah for sure. Like you're telling me right now, like Michael Massey, like maybe not this off season, but you know next year at some point, middle of the year even, if he's still continuing to hit, you know you get Gold Glove level defense. You know it looks like he can he can hit major league pitching. Yep. All right, now's our only chance to get him cheap. So why not try? But no, Vinny, gosh dang. It'll be nice to not have to worry about the middle of the lineup for a little bit, right? Not at all. Not at all. And I hope that he hits a few home runs in that abomination of a stadium down in Tampa. <laughs> what a tough run of freaking games. I had I hadn't even put it together. I was looking at him. Dodgers, twins, series. and rays. I'm like, I didn't even think about like we're gonna have a rough run. <laughs> And then you get, and then you get a little bit of a break playing the Diamondbacks at home, oh, and then you get a three gamer against the Padres. Jeez, take it easy on us, MLB. Damn, no, no kidding. That's a that's brutal. Like, well, the, <laughs> now I, I went back and I listened to some of the older episodes, and because I found a, a, a you know a nice good take by me that the team was going to be better when all these young guys came up, which has been true. But yeah. I also in that same conversation, said something that I don't buy the twins at all. And I thought they were going to be awful. So, you know, <laughs> you, lo- you win one, you lose one. Oh yeah. This is, this is like baseball. You hit three out of 10. You're doing great. Exactly. <laughs> as long as I, I've gotten a couple right this year. And I think Vinny, yeah. I, I'm calling Vinny like a year and a half ago that he was going to be a big leaguer and be a really good one too, I think is the ultimate vindication. And so every home run, I feel very, very nice. Yeah. So this show, as always, is brought to you by Kansas City Strength and Conditioning. Let's hear a quick word from them. From the beginning, we knew right away that we wanted to do strength conditioning and a throwing program for the baseball and softball community. It wasn't something we were trying to back into or all of a sudden learn. We knew we were really good at these coaching these skills from the get-go. And the fact that we're in the same business and the employees are all on the same page, you know, we can write a program based off of what a kid needs, not just getting him stronger or faster from a general sense. It's what does this kid need? On the pitching end, we can say, hey, this kid needs such and such. He needs to do this or that better. A lot of times it turns out it's not something that needs to be fixed in the baseball cage or on the throwing mound. It actually needs to be fixed in the weight room. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Thank you, as always, Kansas City Strength and Conditioning for sponsoring this show. Be sure to go check them out if you have a baseball or softball player in the area that needs a place to train. So I want to talk about Brady Singer. The last five starts have been really good. I okay, four out of the last five have been really good. The start in in Chicago was fine. Like he gave up 
four runs in six innings. Gave up, but you know, sure, they got a bunch of hits. But Brady Singer last year doesn't get through six innings in that game. So I still chalk that up as a little bit of a W that he's he's learning and getting better. But in these starts against playoff caliber teams, so let's just run through it here. Tampa Bay on July 23rd, six innings, three hits, two runs, 12 strikeouts, two walks. Then they then he faces the Yankees in the Bronx on the 28th. 10 strikeouts in seven innings, one hit, one walk. And then, and then that start at Chicago on August 3rd, that was okay. Six innings, 11 hits, four runs, three strikeouts, no or one walk. Then you turn right around. Next start is against the White Sox again in the doubleheader. Seven and a third, one run, six strikeouts, five hits, and no walks. And then the Dodgers, the, the vaunted Los Angeles Dodgers on Sunday on the verge of getting swept, six innings, seven strikeouts, one hit, three walks, no runs. This has been a run that we haven't really seen from a Royals pitcher in a very long time. And he is becoming the guy that we all thought he could be. What do you think his ceiling is here? Like, do you think this is who Brady Singer is? Or do you think this is just a really nice stretch and he, he's going to fall back down to earth? I think this is a new iteration of Brady Singer. I really do. Um, I think that it's a little bit premature, I think, to call him, oh, he's a number one. I think if you're if you're thinking of it in terms of development and not necessarily like what is he or what he can he be, this is one step in his development. If he never gets any better and stays right here, he's a he's going to continue to be a really great pitcher, a two or three kind of level guy, and a guy I think you can build a rotation around. I, I really do. If and this is what gets start starts to get really fun and like scary in some ways. If he takes a step forward with the changeup. Yeah. And the consistency and command. I think those are the really the two things he has to continue to work on. And really all pitchers work on that consistency of command all the time. But those two things have gotten better and he's taken a step forward. One more step forward, and you're talking about a ceiling of a guy that is super consistent and a number one. I don't like to use the word ace because in my mind, there's like five at baseball at any given time and they're they're like all hall of famers you know so like your yeah. verlanders and your scherzers and your kershaws and those guys but he could be a number one it's just it, it's going to take one more step forward it took us a long time to get him to take this step though let's not let's not pretend like oh right hey, you know a lot of people were calling for advances in that change up two years ago and it never occurred but even if he's just this if this is the the pinnacle of brady singer you have a hell of a pitcher, and and like I, I'm glad you mentioned that in that start against the the White Sox, where was it the White Sox that he didn't do so great? Six yep. innings, four runs. Um, yeah. It was the first start against the White Sox. He had back to back starts. But yeah, the yes. first one in Chicago, and and that's that's a that's a meltdown game for him a year ago. Yeah, you know? like he he that's, doesn't make it through because I think it was the fourth. He got dinked mm -hmm. and dunked and gave up all the yep. runs. He doesn't get through that fourth inning that last year. Yeah, exactly. And and I think when when you get it, the more you get into those experiences, it certainly helps. But I think the more confidence you have in saying, okay, wait a second, I just dominated the Yankees. Okay. Or I know I have I haven't thrown my change up much. Let's let's do it a couple times just to get into that. Okay, now let's go back to what we were doing. Um, I think there were I, if we if you watch that game, I think there was a little bit of a velocity dip in that game. I don't think his two seamer was going quite as hard in that game, and he wasn't locating it quite as well. So I think that changeup takes one more step. And in those games when you see I don't have the best two seamer in the world, now I can throw that changeup and it looks a little bit better now. And so I think 
one more step forward and we're talking about a number one for Brady Singer. And hallelujah, because this rotation needed it worse than it needed anything. Absolutely. I I think right now, like, like you said, if he stays where he is right now, he's a two. And yeah. that's a very, very good two. Mm -hmm. But could you give him game, like with the way that he pitches and the mentality with which he pitches now, that bulldog, but he is able to like kind of keep it reined in. Could you give him a ball on game one of a playoff series? I think so. And I don't, I don't, I don't think you could feel terrible about it, but I think you could do it. Yeah. It's just going to be interesting. And the, the changeup is the big part of this. But what's weird is he really isn't throwing it a lot still. And I know. He's and that's shoving. Yeah. Like it's and, unbelievable. And, so I can only imagine the next step he takes if he throws it even like 8%. Like he's only at like yeah. 6% right now. Just get it to like 10 and we're talking about something really good. There's alternatives to this too. So I wanted to run this by you, and this is probably a terrible comparison, but just for the sake of conversation. Yeah. He actually throws a pretty above-average spin forcing. He doesn't throw it often, but it's around 2350, 2400 RPMs, which is above league average. Mm -hmm. Alec Manoa of the Blue Jays. Yeah. He is forcing slider sinker changeup. Their spins are about, their spin rates are about the same. And Manoa only throws his change up 11.6% of the time. So th how about this option of it? Singer still throws his change up 7, 8%, but features the forcing more. Oh, Joel, you saucy, saucy man. That is flash that at the top of the zone with the sinker that has devastating break and the slider. He th they throw their slider about the same, about 28 to 30% of the time. Now, Manoa throws his four-seam more. He throws it 36.8% of the time, sinker at 23.6. You flip those, Singer throws the sinker at about 37, 38%, features the four-seam around 25. You then you have then you have three pitches right yeah. there. And you still have the changeup that is a good pitch that is obviously works in his advantage because even if he doesn't throw it a lot, guys are still flailing at the slider and they can't touch the sinker because they have to yeah. think about that changeup being there because it is a really nice pitch, it has really good shape. I think it's good for him, but if he still wants to work on it a little more, maybe he throws the four seam a little bit more, and yeah. then you then he has the three the three pitches that you could use, and go from there. Profit. Here's the, here's the thing: where do I sign the petition to make you the new Cal Eldred? That's my thought. Okay, because <laughs> I'll sign it right now. I'll do it now. I never I never even thought about that. That is absolutely brilliant. It's it's something that kind of outside the box kind of thinking. Now my question would be: how well does he command the four seamer? But uh, let me see I how many he's great. thrown like, this year. I don't think he's thrown many, and I guarantee you, I would just if I had to guess, it was a four seam or like a sinker that got away and classified as it. Yeah, but I think it would be an interesting way to feature it because he throws the it. fastball with such conviction that he probably and he. I think he's. I feel like I've seen him throw more of them in spring training. I think it was last year he was throwing this four seam. I'm like, yo, that's that's got some good spin. Like, I feel you could just tell, like, it held its plane at the top of the zone a lot better. So that's an interesting, interesting way yeah. to look at it. Yeah. And, and Josh uh, Kaiser actually put out the other day on Twitter, and I thought it was brilliant. I was like, because I never really thought about it. We, we've talked so much about the changeup and his need to develop it. And then when he came back from the minors, he was throwing it more, and it felt like, yes, that's the direction he's moving. Well, then he stopped throwing it again, but his performance went up. He did better. And so we kind of, Mark and I kind of talked about, like, hey, yes, when he's got his, great command and you know just his best stuff his good velocity on his two seamer it's getting a whole lot of run then he probably doesn't need a change up 
because the slider's pretty consistent. Like that that thing's yeah. good almost and all the time. And he's getting now, like he's commanding a slider so much better. Think about how many that he just left right over the middle of the plate last yeah, year. Yeah. That yeah. would just hang. Now Amazing. he's able to throw that thing at the back foot of lefties. And mm-hmm. not often do you see Mookie Betts look helpless at the plate. Yeah. That slider that he threw and had Mookie Betts flailing into the other batter's box. That made me go, oh my goodness. And Freddie Freeman, one of the best hitters of the last decade, watched that sinker at 97 go front hip and in. And Singer, and that- or. And he went, what am I supposed to do with that? That has really been the difference. And not just to lefties. Like, you know, you, we all go back to Greg Maddox. He was the absolute king at doing that with yeah. no velocity, but just could, could do it all the time. But the the thing that has impressed me the most since, like, this awesome run started, when a right-hander's in there and he starts the ball in, in the left-handed batter's box and it comes back over the edge on the outside corner – they give up on it so quick, even if they make contact with it. What are you, where are you going to hit that? Like, yeah, it, it's, it's been so good to watch that. It's almost like he has a better idea of pitching now as well. My thing is this, when those starts come like that white Sox game, if he has a better changeup and is willing to throw it more, I think you get through six and give up two. If that makes yep. sense, oh, you yeah. know, you get to a point where it's like, Hey, Dang it. I, that day, hit the velocity on his two-seamer was down a good mile per hour. Mm-hmm. Okay, I know that. I'm, you know, Let's lean on that change up a little bit more, right? So now yeah. it's that day we throw at 15. Normally, maybe we throw at 10 or whatever. And so that's, that's kind of where I would like to see it go. I didn't even think about a four-seamer. Maybe he feels more comfortable with that. If he does, that's an added weapon. Like That's how yeah. great pitchers develop. They mature in the sense where it's like, okay, what was your best pitch and what you did early on by the time it's the end of your career is almost, I mean, think about uh, Roger Clemens in the splitter. Yeah. Didn't even have it when he started pitching. Right. But picked it up, developed it by the end of his career. It's like all he was throwing. And so yeah. it's like uh, that, that I would love to see that from him. Like maybe it's, Hey, I'm going to start leaning into this or having the four seamer as a compliment to this devastating two seamer that I have. I'm going to have this change up as a, as a compliment to this devastating slider that I have. That would be oof. Now you're getting me dreaming, Joel. You're getting yeah. me dreaming. <laughs> well, it's going to be interesting, especially next year if they do make a trade for a for a guy like a, a Zach Allen or a Pablo Lopez or something like yeah. that. And then you add Singer, or like I think Chris Bassett would be a great addition in free agency uh, next yeah. year. Big fan. So you put those guys in the rotation together. Maybe they're you know you bring in that veteran presence of somebody else that's done it for a little while, and mm-hmm. especially like Chris Bassett, the last three years has been really really good. Yeah, maybe there's something there, or you just say f it, and you if John Sherman really wants to go and throw some money around, just throw Jacob Degrom a couple hundred million dollars, and let's just make that happen. I'm gonna yeah. keep saying it on every podcast, just so like, it happens. Joe keeps saying this, and there is absolutely. No I know there's no way it's way. gonna happen, but a, a man can dream. Okay, hey, and my dream can... is Carlos Rodon. Like, and oh, I, I like too. to tell myself it's more realistic. It's about as realistic as Degrom is. That'd still um, take probably nine figures. Yeah, it, it's gonna be huge, but. um I was thinking like, okay, go get yourself one Rodon or two of Bassett and one guy, maybe one step below Bassett. Uh, and then if you squint hard enough, we got a pretty damn good rotation. If, if, yeah. uh, well, I think you know, what's nice about all this too, is that you feel like at least two spots are solidified between Lynch and Singer. Like yeah. I think Lynch has done enough over the last month or month, month and a half that you're starting to see some, like it all kind of click for him. And even I'll, I'll give him credit. Chris Bubich has not been flashy, amazing this year. 
But if you're asking him to be your number five, that's a good five. Like, that's fine. Like, you can make yeah. that work. Like, I I think people put too much expectation on him. I think they're, I think the expectations are a little too high. I'll put it that way. After him being the minor league pitcher of the year in 2019, yeah. and they thought, oh, he can be like your two, and Brady Singer can be your one. Like, I think Singer's your two, and Bubich is your five, and Lynch is like your two, three. Mm-hmm. Somewhere in there. I don't think Lynch is the ace that we all thought he could be, but he's certainly a solid mid-rotation piece. Now, you need to go get that ace, or if Brady Singer takes this next step, you have your ace, and you just go get another pitcher to have one beat. Yeah. And I think, like, we were talking about this the other day as well on, on this week's episode. I think Bubich is the kind of guy that you want as a five. You want him, and, and you tell him this, because since he, for the last, I don't know, maybe month, maybe not quite a month, he's been reaching back for just a little bit more on a fastball when he needs it. So it's mm-hmm. going 94, 95, and he's getting some strikeouts with it. He's getting some swing and miss with it. If I say, that is you. That is now Chris Bubich. Okay. Yep. You know, basically what you have, Chris Bubich, now is two different fastballs, one that's 92 and one that's 95. Okay, exactly. And and guys used to do that all the time. Guys used to add and subtract from fastballs all the time. Um, that's your that's your thing. Now you have the changeup. You got the curve slurvy curveball. You've got the uh, the two different fastballs and we will only require you to go five innings. We will get you out of there before it becomes a problem because you can tell he's he is wearing down after the fifth. He, he's he struggles sometimes. Yeah. So. We you get us through five, Bubich, you'll be our five starter forever, you know. And and I think that's where it kind of becomes. And he he could take a step, you know, go back and look at the slider that he told us was really good coming into the year. Like, yeah, where'd that go? Let's try it, you know. Well, um, I so. think I know where it went, and I don't <laughs> want to talk about it. <laughs> regardless, that petition. I, Where's that petition? Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. But re- yeah. regardless, Brady Singer has been awesome and it a revelation for the team because coming into the year, I was like, all right, well, we'll see what we got. Maybe he's your four. Maybe he's just a bullpen arm. And in the matter of six weeks, he has completely turned around everything that I thought about him. So it's a massive credit to him to get it figured out and become the guy that we all think he can be. It's, it's huge for the future of this team over the next few years because so much has been invested in trying to get all these pitchers here to get the rebuild I know they don't want to call it that, but it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Get the rebuild like, done so that we can start competing. The bats are here. The pitching is slowly starting to creep up there. I think there's enough that we're seeing that it can it can happen. And if you're really able to get some of these guys to really turn it on next year, you can you can dream on some things of, of where this team can be in 2023. Yeah, and 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 this is kind of when I I think I first heard it posited on, on Royals Farm Report. Um, that, you know, hey, it could be an opportunity to go out and sign some free agents to fill out this rotation. And it just hit me like a ton of bricks, and it's way out of left field. But what if that becomes your thing as the Royals, right? We're going to develop a whole bunch of bats that we can save money on in those first six years. You know, if they become too good, you're going to be paying them during those arb years. But still, you're not paying a ton of money there. And then you, the money that you save, you then go out and buy pitchers that other teams have already developed. Because the the attrition is just so high, the risk in developing pitching is just so high. Why why take it on? Yeah, you'll have yeah. pitchers in your organization that maybe you can develop. And I kind of like that. You know, the top spots in the draft went to hitters. Let's keep draft doing that. more hitters. Draft it's, and hitters. by the way, Gavin Cross has two home runs tonight in Columbia and four on his minor league. Career. Oh, he got a second one. I saw the I saw the first one. He got a second. Um, keep doing that, and then. If, if a guy hits in the fifth or sixth round that you drafted that's a pitcher, 
fantastic. Or if you just become the team that develops guys that are three, fours, and fives, great. Go get yourself a one and a two, or maybe you get a guy who's a two and you develop that and you fill it out just with money. Now, I know we don't have a lot of money, but you're not spending it on hitters. So go get it in pitching. I I think it's a it's a novel way to look at, at uh, putting together a baseball team, and I'd love the Royals to think about it that way. It's going to be a really exciting last couple of months to see how things shape out, and then the offseason is going to be yeah. fascinating. I don't know I how wish, it's going to go. I wish Zerpa wasn't hurt, man. I know. I Zerpa wasn't hurt. That really hurts. Yeah. Uh, but having that. a guy like Brady Singer out there really – like if the, the Royals haven't had many guys that are like wind day in a very long time. So mm-hmm. it feels like wind day when he's out there. So that is really nice. Hopefully he pitches on the next homestand. I think he'll probably pitch in the Padres series if I had to guess. Yeah. Uh, so that'll be fun. And if you're looking for the best selection of Royals tickets, be sure to check out my friends at tickets for less tickets for less.com. Uh, you will find the best selection of Royals tickets at the best prices. And you'll never pay outrageous per ticket service fees like you do on other sites out there. Plus, use our exclusive partner code to save even more on your tickets. Simply use promo code KCSN22 at ticketsforless.com to save on any Royals memories or say on any Royals ticket order that code again, KCSN22. Memories for life start at ticketsforless.com. On the other end of the spectrum, when it comes to the starting rotation, Brad Keller has been moved to the bullpen, as Mike Matheny told Joel Goldberg earlier today. We don't know who's going to start uh, confirmed on a Thursday or on Friday in Tampa, but all signs are pointing toward it being Max Castillo, uh, who the Royals just got into what Merrifield trade. Uh, so we'll see where it goes there. He's only made a couple of outings. It sounds like there's trying to stretch him out to be a starter, but uh, I could imagine it's probably going to be a bullpen day or like a, a piggyback day type deal. When it comes to Brad, and we can talk about Max, about Max Castillo later, but I really want to focus this on Brad Keller. The last few starts have not been great. He got absolutely massacred by the Los Angeles Dodgers on Saturday in that abomination of a game uh, wearing the Kansas City Monarchs uniforms. That made me sad. Mm-hmm. I I think this could work. I I but I'm I it's it's just tough. Because Brad Keller at times, it's like, where has this been forever? And then he has three clunkers in a row. Then he has one really, really good start and then four or five clunkers in a row. You just, I, you don't know what you're going to get from him. We're a long time away from May when he looked like he could, you know, has taken that next step. Really hasn't. I don't know what to make of this. I I hope that it works, but what do you think? I'm skeptical. Let me let me say, part of me is skeptical. If you go back to 2018, and I don't know, was that the year that they got him in the Rule Five? Yes, that it was 2018. Um, and because that's where a lot of time Rule Five pitchers go, they go to the bullpen. Um, he did pretty well. Like he, not in a tiny sample size. He had over 20 games uh, pitched, and and he had a two ERA roughly, and and looked really good. And that's probably why they tried him in the starting rotation the next year. But, um. The thing that makes me skeptical about him in the bullpen, and you and I kind of talked about this, I envision good bullpen arms as having at least one carrying pitch. One pitch that is above average, you know, 55 to 60 grade pitch. I don't know that Brad Keller has that, you know? And you and I talked about maybe he gets an uptick in velocity and the four-seamer can become a little bit better. But I don't, the slider to me isn't isn't that. The two-seamer definitely isn't that. You know, I, I just don't know that he's that kind of guy. Now, if you're saying, well, he's going to be our long guy. Okay. Well, he gives up runs in the first and second inning pretty consistently. So I don't know how well that's going to work. 
Um, but you, but I mentioned this to you earlier, like he, he's not what you want in a four or five starter either. Although his numbers at the end of the year look like a decent four or five starter, as you, as you just stated, he'll have the blow up games and blow up games are killers for four and five starters because yep. you wear through that bullpen and they're hurting you more than just that day, you know? And so it, it, it's hard to win a competition where you're battling for that four or five starter spot and you're the guy who has meltdown games. And so I, I'm skeptical it's going to work with Brad Kell in the bullpen. Although I will say this, the Royals bullpen is trash. <laughs> outside of like outside of Scott Barlow, it's not great. It's not great. And and I like Stalmont still, but he's got to find a way to be able to consistently have the same stuff day after day. Yeah. Right. He'll throw 100 one day and 96 the next. That, that's now not, I'll say this too. I'll, I'll, I will say this. Over the last like three weeks, I feel like they've deployed Amir Garrett a lot better. Yeah, and, and, and he's, he's been, been, he's been, but I just don't, do you see him as a future of this bullpen? I, I don't. He's only on a one-year no, deal. No, but I, I think, think yeah. but I also think they've found the right usage for him. I think they were trying to use him to like high leverage. Hey, go and just go get in this inning. I don't think he's that guy. I think he is your like loogie without being a loogie. That's yeah, exactly that what sense. I thought he was going to be. I re I really thought that's what they were going to do with him when they got him. It seems um, like they figured that out a little later, but yeah. he, has, he has been a lot better over the last three he's, weeks he's, or so. So yeah, he, I mean, I, he dropped his ERA by like four runs. runs or something. Yeah, it's something it's wild. Like um, but no, I, I just don't see that, that Keller can do that. Now I will say the bullpen needs help. It needs help now and it needs help next year when Brad Keller's under contract. So I think, this last part of the year, if they really are giving him a chance and and trying him in the bullpen in a new role, then I, it might be worth seeing if they can carry that into next year and say, okay, we know we at least have this one thing for this one year in the bullpen. I, I mean, I, I don't know where you are on this, but I don't think their timeline is to be super competitive next year. But if it is, if they go out and they get those starting pitching, then having that Brad Keller in the bullpen, if he's shown promise, could could be important. It really could be. And so, especially for a bullpen that truly lacks depth after Barlow. I mean, after yeah. Barlow, you have, I, I like Drew Coleman. I, I or I like Coleman. Dylan, I think Coleman. Really, Dylan Coleman. Yeah. I think he can still be really, really good. He needs to improve his command, but it's still not great. Like, you know, so I, eh, eh. I think Dylan I Coleman will be that guy eventually. Like, I think yeah. by next year, he really settles down the walks. He started to take down the walks have come down quite a bit for him in the last couple of weeks. Uh, the, the outing he had against the White Sox in that nationally televised game was the best I've seen all year. Yeah. He was oh, disgusting. yeah. Disgusting. Mm -hmm. So he, I think he eventually is going to be at the back end with Barlow. You can hand it to either of them and you feel pretty good. When it comes to Brad Keller, I, I'm curious how it looks. You know, if he goes out there and blows 97 and let just let it eat for an inning instead of being the 92, 93, 94. Yeah. that's fine. If he gets that velocity bump, it maybe can make his slider look a little bit better. I'm, I'm kind of grasping at straws here. I think he just goes with that. Do you think they tell him, Hey, four seam and slider. That's, that's what you're going to throw. I bet he'll or, still mix in the sinker, but yeah. he is throwing. You think he scraps the, the change up that he barely throws. <laughs> yeah. I don't think we're going to see him throw his change up at all. No, <laughs> but it could, it could work. And maybe you make him your sixth inning guy or your, or I, I think the likeliest scenario, at least to get him eased into the bullpen, is Castillo goes three on Friday, and then Keller goes for three, something like that. I think you have to, you have to do that. There's That's, there's no other real option unless you no want to make this like, especially you're starting a series. I mean, you, you can't 
you can't can't do it like bullpen now. Yeah, not 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 day one, not not the first game of the series. So, uh, yeah, I think it's likely. I think that's exactly what's going to happen. If not, if if that's not what they do, I legit have no clue what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, like uh, and so then you have to look at the future of this because next year is Brad Keller's last year before he can hit free agency. Now I know there was a lot of talk, especially early in the year, there was do you extend Brad Keller? And this is when he was actually looking like you know worth a damn, and. I think at this point, if you're going to move him to the bullpen, this is an experiment. And if he gets blown up in the bullpen too, I don't think he's on the team next year. Like, I think he is a legitimate non-tender candidate. I've seen a lot of people float that around. I hadn't considered that, but it makes a ton of sense. Like, it obviously is not working as a starter right now. So you're going to, okay, let's try him in the bullpen. And if it works, then you can bring him back next year. He's in the bullpen. And you get three solid months out of him. And then you can trade him. Yeah. Or and here's a team, or you he looks really good in the the bullpen. There, there's a few options here. But if he looks really good in the bullpen over the last month and a half, and a team sees that, the Royals don't think that A, he's going to fit into your rotation based on free agency trades or whatever, or they think they have a good enough bullpen that they can handle it, then you can trade Brad Keller then too. Yeah, and that's that's why I think they probably hang on to him. I think it's not a non-tender situation. But the weird thing to me is this. Imagine. Is he going to be an like so? He's going into his final year of arbitration next year. Correct. So imagine this. That's a really expensive reliever. That's what I'm saying. Like the value could never match. <laughs> like because, like I said, the numbers he puts up, you're going to be like, okay, this is a mid rotate. This is like a mid level four or five kind of guy. But we know he isn't that. Right? So we're going to try so and he- put him in the bullpen. That's an expensive reliever, which makes me think. The they could realize that the money doesn't make sense, and you just not. That's why I'm thinking the non-tender. That that's the real thing that like makes me go, okay, yeah, maybe non-tender is the way they go because you're gonna be he's gonna be wanting an arb number that's like a starter, like a mid four five starter starter. when he's not one not gonna be a starter, and two really doesn't give you a whole lot of value as a four five starter. It's yeah. So yeah, I think it's gonna be one of those weird situations where you'll have evidence that's misleading (laughs) in an arb case, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but we'll see that that could be one of the first ones you're like, okay, oddly enough, they non-tendered a guy who was their opening day starter. Not that long ago, if I'm not mistaken, right? He was the opening day starter in 2019 and 2020 and 2021. Yeah. That would be wild. Yeah. Non-tender your opening day starter. Well, he's opening day starter in name only. Let's just, yeah. I mean, <laughs> but no, I, I hope that it works out because Brad Keller seems like a good dude and I want to yeah. see it work, but I, I'm not overly optimistic about it i guess the first outing will tell us a lot of how they how he operates out of it too not just how they deploy him that's a whole other thing i don't want to you know i can worry about that later but just does he go out there and just blow it out and hey i'm gonna i'm just gonna throw the hell out of the ball for an inning and then i'm gonna go take a shower and enjoy my the rest of my evening or I think that's does the only still, shot he has honestly because if i see if i go out there and i see brad keller throwing 93 with sink i'm like oh well, what boy. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've seen this play. We know we have how this seen goes. this and it doesn't always play. <laughs> yeah. So. And I think one of the reasons we wanted him to be so good was because he was a rule five guy. And it's mm-hmm. like, think about that value. We went out and got a rule five guy and he's a rotation piece. But Let's just, be honest. Like just Brad Keller is one of the most successful rule five stories ever. Yeah. I like mean, there's not many Soria. out there. Yeah. I think wasn't Soria a rule five guy. I think, I think Dan Ugla, I think was a rule five guy at one there, point. There aren't many stories of guys it's that not, have been able to make four or five years in the big leagues. Yeah. At, you know, relatively productive, especially pitchers. Yeah. 
And that's, I mean, I can remember their names. That's, that's how few of them are. Like there's just not very many of them. Exactly. Uh, and that, you know, especially pitchers because you have to, you only get so many spots in the bullpen. You only get, so and you many have starters. to put them there. They have to stay there. It's, it's tough, but yeah, I think we really wanted him to be successful because that's a steal baby, but it's just yeah. not, it's not it, you know, and, and he doesn't have that pitch to carry him. And that were always worries me when you send a guy to the bullpen, when they put it, a guy like um, singer in there, I was like, well, he's got the slider. He could be a great bullpen guy with just sinker slider. No worries. Keller. I, I don't believe in anything he's got right now. Yeah. Remember, uh, I was just thinking about roll five. Remember Elvis Luciano? Yeah. Yes, yeah. I do. So I was just looking, I was just curious. Cause yeah, he pitched in Toronto, pitched in 25 games as a 19 year old in 2019. Oof. He had a 5.35 ERA. Then he got oh, sent wait. right back to double A. He's still, he's a 22 year old in double A. He's only pitched in two games. So I got, I wonder if he's hurt, but mm. Well, a lot of times those guys just get stashed and they don't pitch. You know, yeah, he, but those usually pitched bad in 25 teams. games as a 19-year-old. I know. That's wild. That's not, now he walked did, 24 that, uh, and 33 and two-thirds. Was it Adcock that was a Rule 5 guy for us? Nate Adcock? I can't remember. There's a guy around the time that he pitched that I think we carried maybe for almost a whole year. But we ended up letting him back to his team because of something. I cannot remember who, I don't know. He was, was on the, he was on the Royals in 2011 and 2012, but something Shepherd or Shepherd something I can't remember. Um, but yeah, we, we've had a couple of them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that somebody needs to, somebody needs to put together a Rule Five All Star team. Where's the Rule Five All Star team, man? I might if I have a couple more of that these, is, you probably can talk me into it. <laughs> That's the Joel Penfield, uh, you yeah, know, I'll, project. I'll see what I can here. do. I'll see what I can do. <laughs> I'll, well, read the, hey, I'll read the hell out of that. Oh yeah. <laughs> Well, hey, Mike, this has been awesome. I appreciate your time tonight. Before I get you out of here, I ask this question to every guest I have on I know, here. At least I've been waiting for this the here. whole damn time, man. We didn't even Let's have go. to do the first part. Okay? Well, what would your walk-up song be if you took it in a bat the K? I've been thinking about this ever since you asked me to be on the show because you know I'm a big fan of this question. I'm a little jealous that you thought of asking it, and I never have. Um, I'm going to give you three because I couldn't pick just one. That's right? totally fair. To, That's totally to win, to place, and to show. Here we go. All right? To show. The Mercury by Turnpike Troubadours. I know you're a big Troubadours Let's go. Fan. I'm going to see them on Saturday. Huge. I'm hyped. Oh, you lucky, lucky man. Okay, I I'm saw them Billy Bob's. Man. I saw you saw them Billy Bob's? I saw them Billy Bob's back in April, and I'm going to see them. Oh, again. what a venue, too, oh, man. It oh, I've never been, but a buddy of mine uh, lived down there for a little while. Huge fan of it. And they've recorded some just great stuff in that oh, venue. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Ragweed had a great live album from there. Bunch of good stuff's been recorded there, but jealous. So the Mercury, that part in the middle where the tempo slows, and yes. then I'm about to hit my stride, that would be the part. Uh, the second one to place would be uh, Resurrection by Bone Thugs and Harmony. Um, <laughs> nice. Paper, paper, money, money. Now, I'd have to find the part that they would be willing to play over a PA in a Major League Baseball game, but we could do that. And then number one, I don't know if you listen to the Drive-By Truckers or not, but Never Gonna Change by the Drive-By Truckers. is They were huge in, in the early 2000s. They, uh, Jason Isbell was, uh, one of their guitar players, but it's Patterson oh, Hood, Mike nice. Cooley, Jason Isbell, and he wrote never going to change. He sings on it too, but, uh, okay, it's, I just got it's a fantastic, it after. yeah, it's a fantastic, uh, song. And so th- that would be my, my, my one there. I go with that. And if they said, Hey, you can't do that one. It's resurrection or it's the mercury. Okay. So because you're a, tur- or you're a turnpike fan, top three turnpike songs. Oh my gosh. You're killing me. So hard to answer that song. All right. I'll start number three. Okay. I'll start with the one that got me into them that my buddy played gin and smoke and lies for me. Oh, okay. okay. Um, I'm going to go with good Lord, Lori. That's gotta be one. 
Um, gosh. Uh, you know, the one I've been listening to the most recently is Winding Mountain Staircase Blues. Is that what it's called? What? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I really like that Winding one. Stair. Yeah. 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 The, but uh, it's so hard. It's so hard to pick. It's too hard to pick. So Good choose. Lord Lori is number one with a bullet. Like, yeah, there's no Good doubt. Lord Lori. Great song. Good Lord Lori. Pay no rent for sure. That's a, that's a, a talk that's about writing. Make you, that's all the song. Make you cry, It'll make you cry. It, it, the writing is unreal on that song. Yeah. And then probably man, third is tough. Like it's like, I almost have to ask top five because it's so tough to, it is right. To get that. Like many. even on diamonds and gasoline, that, that oh, album is no, okay. so, so freaking good. The bird hunters, the bird hunters. Oh, well, that's a good one too. Damn. If yeah. I, if I had to pick my, so mine would either be long hot summer, the fiddle intro to long hot summer day or the fiddle intro oh, to the yeah. bird hunters would mm-hmm. be my walk up. Those are both good. Oh yeah. I didn't even think when the devil knows you're dead. That's a great one too. So yeah, you just, I, I, I try to tend to go for that up tempo a little bit more, but nothing. I mean, if you're a turnpike fan, you never mistake that fiddle intro on long, hot summer day. You, <laughs> you, yeah. you have to know it. Like it's, it's unreal. So yeah, that song just, came on when I was, I was on the golf course on Saturday or on Sunday with my dad. And that song came on those speaker. We had yeah. right as I'm on the tee box on a long par five. And I, I definitely hit a 300 yard drive when that yeah. one drill hit. Yeah, like, I was like, Oh yeah, that worked out nicely. Yeah. If you're drinking <laughs> beers and playing golf, that song has to be played. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Hey Mike, this has been awesome. We will do this again soon. Might need to just do get you and your brother on here and just yeah. go to town. We'll have a good time. We'll cut it up, man. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Oh, hey, before we get out of here, guys, thank you guys so much for listening to this. Be sure to subscribe down below. If you're watching, you know, on YouTube, whatever, please be sure to do that. Go and subscribe. Everything we're doing at KC Sports Network, subscribe to the audio channel. Thank you to Charlie Hustle as well. I got my Bo Jackson shirt on if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, Appreciate y'all. We'll talk to you next week. The headlines remind us daily. The world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.